0: This is the podcast of Christian Life Center on Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. Let us pray. Lord, we come before you today. Our hearts are hungry and our spirits are thirsty we ask, Lord, that you would speak to every single one of us in this room. We ask that your word would come alive to us. That you would bring the medicine of your word to heal the wounds of our hearts. We pray that you would bring joy in place of sorrow and sadness. We ask that you would indeed bring beauty for ashes as you are so good at doing. We pray that your presence would be here in this place in a very real way. Because you know every one of us in this room better than we know ourselves. So we love you, Lord. and We thank you for the way that you work in such an awesome way. In Jesus' name, amen. In this world in which we live, It is so easy for us to allow others and to allow ourselves to define ourselves by the situation that we are in or have come out of. And what I want to share with you this morning is that God's perspective Of not only who you are, but what he has in store for you is not based upon your natural circumstances, but it is based upon his perfect plan for you. And if you allow him, God will bring you to places you never imagined that you would ever go. God will walk you through some of the deep valleys that you have found yourself in. And he will bring you out to the other side. And that even if you have walked in a valley, maybe for many years, God is still in the restoring business. And he is still able to take broken pieces and to put them back together for his honor and his glory. And if you're in this room today, and any part of you remains broken, God is able to take those pieces and to put them back together again. In fact, that's what He does best. Jesus said that when He came to this earth, He came for those who needed someone to help them. He said, I did not come for those who think they've got it all together. But I came for those who need help. And if you're in this place and you need help, then you are a candidate for what God can do to bring restoration, to bring healing, and to bring transformation. And I'm so glad that I serve a God who is interested in getting involved in the messiness of life to bring glory to His name by taking things that have been shattered and bringing them back together to bring glory to His own name. And He's able to do that for your life. Now, none of us are born into a void. We all find ourselves in a situation uh, and we all have our own story. Some stories may start very well. Some may not start so well. But God is faithful no matter where you start in your story. I want to turn your attention To a man called Abraham, and he is looked up to in the Word of God because he was a man of faith. And I want to read to you from Romans chapter 4, verse 18. Listen closely to these words. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do what he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit, too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous. If we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. Abraham was considered the father of the Jewish nation. But not only of the Jewish nation, Abraham is considered the father of those who have faith in God because he was willing to continue hoping when everything around him seemed to point in the opposite direction. There were those that were boasting that they were children of Abraham. And in Luke chapter 3, verse 8, John the Baptist said these words Prove by the way you live. That you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, we're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing. For I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now, the axe of God's judgment is poised, ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. Here, there were men who were boasting that they were descendants of Abraham because through the bloodline, they could trace Abraham as their father. But John the Baptist says that means nothing because God can raise up children for himself from these very stones. In another setting, Jesus was pressed upon by many people and his disciples spoke to him and said, Jesus, don't you know that your mother and your brothers are waiting for you? And Jesus responded and he said, who are my mother and my brothers and my sisters? Those who hear the word of God and do it. Jesus pointed to the reality that it was not the critical, the critical determination was not his earthly parents, but those who are in line with the word and the will of God. Now every one of us are born into a a particular situation and some better than others, but God is able to take things that are broken and he's able to restore them. we talk about fathers, we must deal with the reality that at times we may not experience the ideal situation of either having a father in our life who fathers us well, or there have been times perhaps that we as fathers have not fathered well. And God wants to speak a word to you today. And God wants you to understand that your past can be restored by His mighty power. God wants you to know today that you are not locked in to circumstances that you've experienced over and over in the past, be it in your own life or in the life of your father or your grandfather. Because God is in the business of breaking curses that have been passed down from generation to generation. And maybe you have lived in a family where your father and your grandfather and your great-grandfather and your great-great-grandfather have passed down to you some traits that are ungodly, some vices that have held the family in chains. But I'm here to tell you that God's heart's desire is that those chains will be broken in the name of Jesus and for the glory of God. And you do not have to be defined by your past. You can be defined by a whole new family, the family of God. That's God's heart for you. I want to take a little time to share with you a little bit of my own story this morning because I believe it is relevant to the way that God works in transforming families and lives. I grew up in a home where my parents were missionaries and we traveled around the world preaching the gospel. Went to about 20 uh, countries, always moving, never in a place more than about three months. And in the middle of the work that God was doing in that process, unfortunately there was a mixture of chaos that was going on in the home. And what you saw in the public was not what was happening in private. And so in the middle of the mess, the enemy, as he always tries to do, was working destruction. But I'm so glad that God doesn't check out of a situation even when the enemy has been given an entrance The Bible tells us that God is always standing there knocking. And He is willing for us to open the door so that He can come in and He can transform what the enemy has destroyed. There is no lost cause when you invite the Creator of the universe to come into your situation and to fix your brokenness. My father preached... God used him in great ways. I have seen God honor his word and people get out of their wheelchairs and walk. I have seen the blind eyes opened and the deaf hear. My father never learned to speak Spanish and I learned it from a child so I would translate for him. So we would show up at a city square and we would proclaim the message of the gospel. And people would give their hearts to Christ. Christ. People's uh, physical bodies would be healed for the glory of God. And then I would go home with my five younger brothers and my mother and my other family members that were there and would experience the opposite of what was being preached on the streets. There was abuse of many kinds. There was ungodly behavior That was excused by twisting the word of God. And while my father could preach a wonderful message. Yet unfortunately that message had not fully grabbed a hold of his own heart. Now I want to say this and I explain these things because I believe it's a reality. When you look into the scriptures you see the reality of men's lives. God didn't whitewash or sugarcoat things when he talked about how things unfolded in the scriptures. So we're dealing with just the facts. But I want to also say this. In spite of all of the things that happened, I thank God for my father. And I honor him. Because if it weren't for him, I wouldn't be here today. But yet in the middle of the things that were going on that were good, there was so much challenge. My father was someone who would expect things to be in a particular way, and if they weren't, the consequences were grave. I'll just give you a little scenario because... I want you to just get a little bit of a picture of the setting and the circumstance. I, we were driving in our motorhome. We had two motorhomes. And we traveled throughout the United States. And um, I was, I don't know, eight or nine at the time. And so we had uh, an empty milk jug, and we were at a rest area, and it was on this very high mountain. And I, was, um, I had gotten out and had the empty milk jug, And so rather than throw it in the trash, I decided I'd love to see the thing bounce all the way down the side of the mountain. So I went over the cliff, and I took the empty milk jug, threw it down, and it bounced down the mountain. And so then I went back to my father, and I said, and he asked me, he says, where's the jug? And I said, well, I I, I threw it in the trash, and I didn't tell him the truth. Well, he went and looked in the trash, and it was not there. And so for the next six days, I went without food and without water, and was given just tablespoons of water. I remember toward the end of that time, not having even the strength to be able to really walk or to stand up. I remember a scenario where my my brother had lied to my father, and my brother got tied to a chair in the middle of the room and was not allowed uh, to be able to eat or to be able to communicate with the rest of us as a family. There would be times where my father would set the rule to simply state, no one is allowed to talk in the family. And anything that was spoken, even one word, would be disciplined. And so for lengthy periods of time, anything that we wanted to say to one another, whether it be to me, to my mother, or my brothers and sisters, everything had to be written down. There would be times when we would have, my mother would prepare a full Thanksgiving dinner. And we would all be ready to eat. And at that moment, my father would say, it is time for us to fast and we're not eating anything. And the entire meal would be thrown out and we would go without food and without that celebration. There were moments where my family members feared for their lives because of a twisting of the word of God. My brother, one time, he, out of, frustration. My father said, if you do this, well, I forget what the situation was, then you're going to go to hell. And my brother uh, said, I don't care. To which my father responded by taking his hand and burning it in the fire to try to explain to him what hell would feel like. Now, I share these things with you so you get a little glimpse of some of the things that were going on. My father, he was unwilling to submit to authority. He would do his own thing. And he did things his own way. And there was a constant level of fear. I remember I had uh, something stuck in my fingernail. And so my dad decided that he would take care of the situation. And so for any of you who have injured your fingernail, you know how sensitive it is when you get down into the inside Well, my father ended up filing my finger down to the inside of the nail to try to be able to fix whatever I was dealing with, and the pain was excruciating, and he wouldn't stop. There was one time where there was something that was swollen, and instead of going to the doctor to get wise advice, he would try to surgically repair the situation himself. Time after time, there were situations that were out of order. And yet, in my heart as a young boy, I desired so much to please my father. Uh, One time, as uh, I was responsible for putting some hot drink in his thermos, and I was walking down the stairs after having filled it up, and If you are familiar with thermoses, inside is a glass. So I dropped it accidentally down the stairs while I was walking, and the internal part of it broke. And so my father had me go without food for three days for that error. And I would sit by his bed all night saying, Dad, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I love you. Can I eat now? Can I eat now? And throughout the whole night, it was as if I didn't exist. There was no response. There was nothing. And yet throughout my, my life, I desired to please my father. Whenever he would work, he was very much a handyman. He could fix almost anything, build all kinds of stuff. He helped build the first jet plane. And, uh, and he, he was very smart in that area. And so I would be his assistant. I would always be the one to grab his tools and give them to him, and, and whatever he needed, I was there to do it. But yet in the middle of all the different things that I was involved in, I never sensed or felt love. I never felt really approved of. And so in the middle of of all of that, I was the oldest of six boys. And so there came this time in our lives where a tough decision had to be made because my father, in earlier time prior to me coming on the scene, was married and then he and his brother ended up deciding to switch wives. So they had children from the first set of wives. They had kids from the second set of wives. And then my mother came on the scene. And when my mother came on the scene, she was not aware that my father was still married to his second wife. And, and then I came on the scene. Well, my father did not want his other wife to know that my mother was pregnant. And so he sent my mother to Hawaii on a missions trip. And there, again, God did amazing things. Lives were changed. People that were broken were healed. And yet in the midst of the ministry of the word of God, where lives are being blessed and changed and healed, there was brokenness and chaos and confusion. And so we fast forward and there was unfortunately a lot of different types of abuses that went on in the home. And so we were down in South America ministering and one of my father's, uh, his second wife, ended up coming down and just sharing with my, my mother all the different things that had happened, some of which she was not aware of. And so my mother went to my father and said, you know, is it true that these things happened? to which my father said, yes, they did, and if God asked me to do them again, I would. So my mother knew it was time to go. There were biblical reasons for ending that relationship. And so under the guise of going for a day picnic, out of fear for what my father could do, we packed everything up and ended up booking a flight, and we moved to Tennessee My mother had not really had any skills in work, and so it was all a fresh start. I had jumped into middle school for the very first time in my life, having been homeschooled for all of my early years. Never really allowed to develop long-term relationships, one, because we were always moving, but also because my father would never allow it. I would actually be disciplined if we stopped at a rest area and we're developing a friendship with one of the kids in the area that was not allowed because my father was always concerned about things being found out. At the age of 14, I heard the news that my father had passed away. And I'm just being very open with you. Initially, the emotion that came to me was an emotion of relief. I I loved my father, cared very much for him, always wanted his approval. But the first emotion that came to me was relief. And the thought in my mind, he can't hurt anybody anymore. My father was ministering down in uh, in South America, and we don't know exactly why he ended up passing away. He wouldn't go to the doctors. And uh, he had some people who were with him, traveling with him. And he ended up, um, he asked them, he did not want to be buried in a particular spot, so he asked to be taken out to a cave in the desert and just placed there, which is what they did. And... Um, Later on, my family, some of my family members went back to try to locate my father to see if maybe they could find some remains. But out in the desert like that, there's really not much of anything left when something is left for years. And so to this day, I have no idea of a spot or a place where my father's body is placed or buried. And so that's a little bit of the story of my Father, and so when I was in my teenage years, my father had already passed. I was going to church. I was serving as a deacon at my church. I was involved in the worship team, and yet there was this resounding question that I had not had answered, and it was this: If God is so perfect in everything he does, then why would he choose to use a man like my father for souls to be saved, for miracles to happen, for amazing things to happen for God's glory? Why would God seemingly disregard what my father was doing at home? That was my perspective. I was in Seattle, Washington, getting to know some of my other half, the other half of the family. I was there for my senior year of high school. graduated school. I was, God had brought me to a point where I was in a very broken area of my life. And I cried out to God. I said, God, I need to get some things straight with you because I feel. I feel like there are some questions that if are not answered... I can't keep doing what I'm doing. Because I'm going to church. I'm doing the stuff that looks good on the outside. But the inside's all torn up. And to be quite frank, God, I can't trust you. I'm just being honest. That's how I felt. I can't trust you, God. Because I feel like you've let me down. My family down. And so... I'm reading through the book of Job, and as I'm reading through the book of Job, if you've read the book of Job, you know that Job presents some big questions of God. In fact, he desires a setting of a courtroom, and he says, oh, if there could be such a setting where God would have his lawyer, and I'd have mine, and somehow we could come to some agreement because Job said, I have some arguments that I feel are very strong. And Job's... Arguments were very similar to mine That he felt God had not been fair in his dealings And he let the wicked Seemingly go scot-free And yet those who served him Sometimes seemed to get the shorter end of the stick Have you ever felt like that? Job did I did So as I'm reading through the book of Job I am Job's cheerleader Yes God, what do you have to say about that one? Yeah, that's true, Job. I didn't even think of that argument. Yeah, God, what do you have to say about that? Because of all the emotion. You know, sometimes you can go through things that you're so emotionally overwhelmed you can't even put them into words. You ever been there? And then when someone articulates it for you, they become your spokesperson. Like, yeah, that's what I would want to say if I could say it that way. So I was... For two weeks, I'd almost cry myself to sleep every night, and I cried out to God. And I said, God, you've got to show yourself to me. I've seen miracles, but miracles are not enough. My friends, I want to remind you that all of Israel saw water come out of a rock, all of Israel saw food fall down from heaven, but yet it did not make the deciding difference for their hearts. Those things we can forget so easily. I said, God, I, it's not enough for me to have seen these things. I need to know you for myself. When I was younger, and not really young, I was, it was a reasonable age, but yet it was something that was not really given to me as a choice when I got baptized in water, it was expected of me and required of me, and therefore I did it because it was imposed upon me. So my relationship with God was, to be quite honest with you, one more out of fear than anything else. And it was a similar thing that I saw God through the eyes of how I saw my father. That if I did something like drop a thermos and could go without food for three days, then I wonder what God would do to me if I do some little thing wrong. There's a direct parallel there. Whether we like it or not, that's the way we think and live. But it doesn't have to remain that way. So I was walking in a park at about 1 o'clock in the morning, talking out loud to God, And I said, I was talking to him about all these things that were just burning within my spirit. And there alone in that park, the Lord asked me a question. As he also asked Job a question or two at the end of all of Job's great arguments. And God asked me, he said, Joseph, you remember that lady who was blind? Yes, Lord, I remember You Remember when your father prayed for her and she was healed because she believed what I said in my word? Yes, Lord, I remember that. God said to me, Joseph, would you have preferred that I not heal her because of what your dad did at home? I paused for a few moments and I said, no, Lord. I would have wanted you to heal her. And in that moment, God opened my eyes to be able to differentiate between the message and the messenger. The messenger can be dirty, but the message is always pure. And I began to realize that God was not validating the character of my father. He was validating the power of his word. For he says in his own word that there will be many on that day who say to him, Lord, I cast out demons in your name. Lord, I did many wonderful works in your name. This is not your average atheist Jesus is talking about here. This is a person who is a minister of the gospel. Jesus said, There will be many on that day. That word many always takes me back. He said, But I will respond to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. That's a sobering thing. Now, I'm not the judge, he is but i can't avoid the facts and neither can you jesus said you will know them by their fruit now i don't know and i never take it out of option that in the last breaths that my father breathed that he could have asked god to forgive him and if he did If he did, I know what happened. God is willing to forgive. But I don't know that. And I'm going to be quite open with you. I don't know where my father is today. Simply because of that question. So as I was in that park that day, and God began to open my eyes There was a great burden of confusion that was lifted, but there was another burden that was placed upon my shoulders. And all of a sudden I began to realize that I too could pastor a church, could be a missionary or an evangelist. I could mistreat my wife, be unkind to my kids, and do things that no one else would see behind closed doors. And I could stand before people. And I could proclaim the word of God. And God would still heal people. People would still be rescued from the kingdom of darkness. And brought into the kingdom of light. God would still baptize people in the Holy Spirit. Because God's word will never return void and that weight began to rest on my shoulders now as much as i hated some of the things my dad was doing because of the doubts that i was entertaining my spirit and attitude was even though i didn't want it it was heading in that same direction so i cried out to god I spent time in fasting and prayer. And I said, God, I don't want to be two-faced. I want to be for real. Because I had experienced people come up to my father and say things like, you're the humblest person I've ever met. And as a child, I'd think. (laughs) And so there was a disconnect for me. Because I had the inside scoop. And so I had to ask God, God, unless you change me, I'm going to be just like my dad. Unless you transform this heart, that generational curse is going to be passed down to me. But you have told me that he whom the sun sets free is free indeed. God, would you wash this body? Would you wash this mind? Would you wash this spirit? And would you make me a brand new person? And I remember deciding, even though you don't need to get baptized over and over, but the first time wasn't really my personal choice. So I wanted one time where I said, this is me making a choice, that I have decided to follow Jesus. And that's exactly what I did got baptized in water at a lake at a special retreat. And I will tell you that I've experienced the presence of the Lord maybe two or three times in such a heavy way where you felt like you could cut it like butter. And that was one of those times. As I stood out there at the lake and I was baptized in water, the Bible says that when Jesus was baptized, that the Heavenly Father spoke a word And he said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And on that day, though not audibly, but in my spirit, I heard the words of my father. Joseph, you are my son. And in you, I am well pleased. Change my life the affirmation I had always longed for from my earthly father. I didn't get it. But that's not the critical thing. Because God gives beauty for ashes. And God restored me. He changed me. The scripture tells us that when we come to know the Lord, I mean really come to know the Lord. I'm not talking about just going to church somewhere. I'm not talking about growing up in a home where you do certain things at certain times. I'm talking about where you become so in love with Jesus that you recognize that it was Him who gave His life for you. And whether anybody else comes to church or not, you're going to be there because you're not trying to please people. You're trying to please the one who gave His life for you. That's when you know you've got a relationship with God. Prior to that, I had a a ritual, and I'd feel bad if I didn't do it, if I didn't get to church, if I didn't do this or that. But after I got real with God, it changed. Oh, I still did many of the same things, but with a whole different motive. Then I began to pray. I said, God, I I don't know how to be a man. I don't know how to be a father or a husband because I haven't seen it really modeled in my life. God spoke to me and he said, Joseph, I'm your father now. And if you'll allow me, I'll teach you everything you need to learn. And he did just that. Over the years, in churches, in places that God sent me, he brought seasoned and mature men of God who would end up being father figures in my life that would help encourage me in how to be a real husband and how to be a real father. And I am so grateful that God made up the difference where there was a missing void. And I am blessed beyond what I deserve with a wonderful wife God has blessed me with We've been married almost 18 years. God has blessed me with two wonderful children, Daniel and Christiana. And my prayer on a regular basis is, God, I want to model your fatherhood. Because if I model what I'm used to, there would be confusion and chaos. but God broke the chains. He brought freedom into my life. And one of the things that God spoke to my heart was, Joseph, you need to forgive your father for all the things he did to you. My father had already passed away, so I couldn't speak with him face to face. But knowing that there needed to be a moment in time where I had made that choice, I wrote out on paper all the things that my father had done to me, that every time I would think of them or speak of them, it would be an open wound in my spirit. I wrote them out, and I put a chair in my little attic room in Elkton, Maryland where I was living at the time. I sat in a chair, and even though I know my father was not present yet for the sake of my own personal need to establish closure and forgiveness, I pretended that my father was sitting in the chair, and I told him all the things that he had done to hurt me and my family. And then afterwards, I proceeded to say, because my Heavenly Father has forgiven me for all the wrongs I have done. I here and now choose to forgive you for every single one of these things that you have done against me and my family. And the Lord lifted a burden that day and gave me a freedom that when I think about those days and the past, it's not an open wound anymore There is the evidence of scarring, but it's not tender to the touch. It's healed up nicely because of the work that God has done. I share all that with you to say that the word of God is alive and active and powerful, and he is able to heal your situation. Oftentimes, We aren't able to move forward in God because we allow circumstances to chain us back. And many times it's because of what other people have done to us. And sometimes those people aren't around anymore. So you know what happens? People that aren't even present are affecting our lives. How do we get free? Forgiveness. And whatever the enemy has meant for evil in your life. God will always turn it around for good. He will use you to be a restorer. As he talks about in Isaiah chapter 58. You will be used by God to restore homes. You will be used by God to bring blessings. And who better than you who have walked through those difficult times and you know what it's like to be in the midst of chaos and confusion. The scripture tells us that Jesus knows how to comfort us because he himself went through the trials and the tests and the challenge. I'm here to tell you today that your point of pain will be your greatest point of ministry. The things you have been through that you could list on a piece of paper as bullet points of the top challenges you've been through in your life will be your greatest opportunities of ministry if you allow God to work healing in your life. I don't know each of you as well as I'd like to, But God knows you very well. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows every bit of pain that you've been through. And he cares about you and he cares about your family. Some of you maybe haven't gotten victory over how you've been treated growing up. And so perhaps maybe you find yourself in the tendency of continuing that cycle and maybe You're passing down to your kids some of the things that were passed on to you. I'm here to tell you that that can stop today in the name of Jesus. There is no reason for the enemy to be able to continue the work that he wants to do. We are more than overcomers through Christ who strengthened us. And that includes those challenges, the pain of our past. Now, regardless of your relationship with your father, maybe it was really good, maybe it was really bad, or somewhere in between, your heavenly father loves you dearly. And he wants you to experience his care. And that is my prayer for you today. That the spirit of the Lord will minister healing to those private areas of your life that maybe right now you can't share with somebody else. But once healing happens, God will use your pain to be able to bring blessing to others. I'm going to ask if we could all close ourselves in with God. I'm going to invite the worship team to please come on down. And, and friend, could you play on the piano Good, Good Father? please. And Sherry, if you could prepare uh, to sing that. Some of you in this room may have rejected a walk with God because of a person. And maybe you've said to yourself, if God's anything like that, I don't want any part. I'm here to tell you, God is perfect. Maybe there have been those who have misrepresented him. There may have even been leaders in a church somewhere that threw you off course because of what you saw and heard. We as men will fail, but God will never fail. Don't blame God for things that are not his choices. He has given free will to every single one of us. And just like my father had choices to make, you have choices to make too. You're still here. Your heart is still beating. Your lungs are breathing. And where there is life, there is hope. I have a question for every person in this room because I never take for granted that because you're in church that you have a relationship with God. But God speaks to you today through his word and says, today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow's not guaranteed to any of us. If you're in this place today and you want God to be your father, there's only one way for that to happen. Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father, listen to that, no one comes to the Father except through him." In other words, you will never be a son or daughter of God except through Jesus Christ. Your good works, that's nice, but they won't do it. Your regrets, you can regret all you want. It will never take care of the past. But Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sin and to set you free. If you're in this room today and you would say to the Lord, God, I want my sins forgiven. I want my name written in the book of life. Would you please fill my heart with your spirit and clean me up? I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. If that's you in this place, would you simply raise your hand right where you're sitting? And the Spirit of God is going to do the rest as we make this decision to follow the Lord. I see your hands, my sisters. My brother, I see yours, my sister. I never rush past this because this is what Jesus came for. He's willing that none perish, but that all would come to repentance and experience real life. One more call. Is there anyone else? This is your opportunity to get right with God. Now, for those of you who raised your hand, this is what the Bible says. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, we will be saved. And that's exactly what we're going to do. I'll lead you in a prayer. More important than the words is what's coming from your heart. And as we pray together, the Holy Spirit is going to come in and is going to clean your heart and make you a brand new person. I invite the entire church body to join together in this prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge today that I need Your forgiveness. Please come into my life and wash my heart clean. Make me a brand new person and write my name in the book of life. I choose from this day forward to live my life in obedience to your word. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for washing me clean. And for removing all my shame. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.